0: Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to the Dialogic Disciple podcast. I am here, as always, with my good buddy, Nick Houston. Nick, thank you for being here today. And we are joined by our special guest, Elizabeth Shavy, the director of creative services here at Northside Church. Elizabeth, how are you doing today?
1: Doing all right. Happy to be here.
2: Now that's interesting, James. I noticed you pronounced that with no problem, but Houston is a
0: constant stumbling well, block. Well, that's because your name issue. is Houston. So I mean, it's it's not like you can pronounce Shavy any I'm other way. getting no respect.
1: I should get extra credit for pronouncing your name incorrectly the way that you because i was born in houston texas and that's the way you say it
0: well that's sad for you i'm glad you're here now so elizabeth you are uh, you're the director of creative services here at Northside church can you tell us a little bit about uh what that means and what you do and uh tell us a little bit about yourself first who uh who are you how'd you get to how'd you get to Northside?
1: Um, well, let's see. I used to work for a little nonprofit up in North Georgia, a little community organization, and I worked with um, kids in a GED program. It was actually really fun, little rogue teenagers, and I loved them very much. Um, and from that moment, I knew that nonprofit was where I needed to be. And so, after college, when I started looking for, I guess, a real job, um, churches were not—they were not on my list. That never really occurred to me that I could be in the scope of. What I consider to be the nonprofit world, but um, Northside popped up on the list and they needed a graphic designer. So I said, all right, I think I can do that. And uh, I definitely have a very different perspective on church work now than I did oh, six years ago now.
2: And you went
1: to college? Yes, I did go to college.
2: <laughs> so what were you doing there?
1: Oh, what, I might What did do- <laughs> you
2: study?
0: What did you study in college? <laughs> thank you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> My degree is um, visual communication, graphic design.
0: All right. And wh- I mean, so you said you didn't see yourself working in the nonprofit sector or for a church. What uh, what did you imagine you'd be doing?
1: Well, I, I definitely wanted to do nonprofit. I just didn't imagine that could include a church at all. That's I all right. think
2: the church has a tough time being equated to the nonprofit sector because the church's mission feels a bit broader than the typical nonprofit mission. You know, a nonprofit usually gets out there and says, we're going to help homeless people, we're going to feed children who are underserved, we're going to help with GEDs, Um, and the church's mission is uh, spiritual, but also has to do with emotional well-being, physical well-being as well. I mean, Northside is a great example of a church that's active in different mission areas, and we work through different avenues to help people where they are, and it isn't only coming into the building for spiritual education guidance. Right. Worship.
1: That's an excellent way to say it, and it makes the job that I do even more interesting. Because, like you said, for a nonprofit, you know, a, a typical what we think of as a nonprofit, the mission is very directed, and so it's easy to communicate what it is the organization is doing. Whereas with the church, yeah, it's multifaceted.
0: So you are uh, you are the head of the department that does all of our communication around here. Uh, you package up our newsletter, and you guys put out all of our mailers and you do all of our web design and all of that stuff. Uh, what do you see? How do you see your role how do you here? characterize is, your ministry? How do your ministry, yeah.
2: I'm going to assume mm. you are in ministry. You <laughs> Thank are. you.
1: Thank you for that. If I am, you don't. Know, you are. <laughs> it's my ministry is about communicating the mission of the church to the people that are in the church and the people that could potentially be in the church. So it's understanding what it is that the children's ministry, the adult discipleship ministry, the music ministry, understanding what it is these other ministries are doing and what we are trying to do as a larger organization, as a church, and figuring out how to package that and communicate that in a clear and effective way to draw people in.
0: You know, you work with staff.
1: I love the staff. (laughs) I see them more than I see the congregation, so they all have very different ways of doing things and they're all unique and wonderful in their own special ways. Do you want
0: to give a shout out to your staff?
1: Michael Beasley, graphic designer, Gay Elam, graphic designer. She's been here longer than probably all of us. (laughs) Gay's been (laughs) around for a long time. She's amazing. Um, And Sarah Tippins is our project manager.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What, what is your church background? What is your religious uh, Christian background?:
1: I was baptized Lutheran, but my family did not really go to church a whole lot. Um, and then when we moved to Savannah, we got involved in a Lutheran church there, and the, we had an interim pastor at that church that branched off and became Episcopalian, and a ton of us followed him. and so that's the church, my little Episcopalian church in Rankin, Georgia. Is where I have my home home church base that's what kind of shaped me and molded me.
0: Do you also uh, worship here now that you work here or is that not the case? (laughs) Uh,
1: When I first started working here I very much tried to keep work and uh, personal life separate Um, it was it just felt like you know the easiest way to approach things the most the less the least stressful way to approach things um, and then as I got farther down the road and became the director of the department and just really started getting into what we were doing, it occurred to me that it's much easier and I'm more effective at my job if I do also worship here. And so I started coming on Sundays and it's, it makes it more fun to work with the staff because you get to see them in their, um, in their prime moments. Uh, it's, you get to watch everyone doing what they do best, which is on a Sunday morning. That's what we do. Um, and it's, so it makes it more joyful. And I and then can see things from um, a perspective of sitting in the pew on Sunday morning and what does that look like and how are we doing what we are doing? So yeah, I, I am drawn to Northside.
0: So you're one, of the, you're one of the first people that we've talked to in this kind of series that we've been doing, this unofficial series of, of <laughs> uh, talking to people who, who serve here at Northside Church. And you're, I think, the first person we've talked to who's kind of a behind the scenes person, somebody that we wouldn't see uh, in a Bible study or uh, in a worship service, or so it's it's always fascinating to me. I think a lot of people don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes around here. Uh, Nick is a prime example of somebody who's kind of behind the scenes, but also gets his gets his face out there from time to time.
2: Yeah, I serve a weird kind of a. I've got one foot in both those worlds of being behind the scenes, but then also being
0: around on Sunday, so the congregation does get to know me. And that's a you made that as a that's a purposeful choice you made, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so the two of you, though Elizabeth and Nick, you guys are primarily behind the scenes guys. Most of the most of the work that you do here at Northside Church doesn't get seen by other people, um, by people who don't work here or serve here. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you guys could uh, talk a little bit about what kind of joy and burden that is to be a behind the scenes person at a church like Northside Church.
1: I am totally fascinated by that tension. Um, I, on some days, it feels like the worst thing in the world Um, because you do like you said see how the sausage gets made and sometimes that means that you know you're frustrated or irritated with a coworker, and then you know you're trying to then engage with them on a staff congregant level and it makes it difficult Um, but the the opposite side of that coin is like Bill has said before as a staff we are a microcosm of the church family and so if you if you trying not to think about it as a sense of separation or as this burden of work and play and spirituality all rolled into one, and you see it as more of a, a holistic way to approach things, to that, wow, I get to work and worship and have fun and go through challenges all with this same family, staff family, church family. It, I think it, it's very challenging, but it's a challenge that calls us to be better,
2: I definitely take the uh, we're all parts of the body of Christ and that it takes all those parts working together to do the mission. Yeah. And there's a I'm I'm really comfortable in my seat, usually behind the scenes. (laughs) Um, I prefer it. And I know Elizabeth prefers it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I would not want to be in your shoes, James, standing up in front of the class every week and doing the Zoom calls and doing the lecture series or whatever. Um, I mean, you know, I don't mind occasionally teaching a class, but I, I do not want to be out front all the time. Um, so I definitely see it as a case of everybody's got their gifts and abilities and the way that they can support the work of the church, whether it's professionally like we're doing. I mean, there are, I kind of joke about it. We've joked about it. I'm a professional Christian, um, but that is true for everybody, whatever role you're in in the church, whether you're
0: serving as volunteer or you're serving on payroll. Do you guys feel like, um, do you feel like that you use your spiritual gifts? So, you know, we we don't talk a lot about the spirit, as we've mentioned many times before, but one of the things that's uh, very um, essential to the life of the church is that each of us are given a spiritual gift to be served, to be used for service in the church. And you guys uh, serve in a church. Do you feel like you're using your spiritual gift and uh, you're in your vocation here, or do you feel like you're just doing things that you've been trained to do? I mean, do you feel a spiritual connection to the work that you do here? I do
2: feel a spiritual connection to the work that I do here, but. I can't say that there aren't days where you get stuck going through the motions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're you're trying to get to the end goal. You're trying to produce the product, whatever that is. Is that getting out giving statements, or is that you know taking a look at the church's insurance and making sure that we've got the right policy? Um, there, there's definitely ways where you can kind of get stuck in a rut, but. Um, Unlike a lot of my friends, you know, if I need to pick me up, I can walk into the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a really cool option to have while you're at work.
1: I've thought about that before. And I've tried to uh, empathize with what we are asking the congregation to do because... I can go to a Bible study, I can leave my office, I can work a little bit late, leave my office, walk down the hallway and go to a Bible study. I can Mm -hmm. go to a Bible study on my lunch break. I can, like you said, walk into the sanctuary if I need a moment with Jesus. Whereas, you know, it's a very, it's a way to be very connected to your spiritual life.
2: Well, I just leave a Bible out in my office and that's normal. (laughs) That's
1: expected. (laughs) You know, how many... It's uh, weird if you don't have your Bible uh, out. (laughs) Right, exactly.
2: Um, You know, how many people would get weird looks for having their Bible on their desk in their office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
1: Being Um, here has definitely helped me be able to talk about my faith. That's not something I was ever able to do. I mean, grew up Episcopalian, so we don't, you know, we're pretty quiet people, um, but I get to hang around, you know, very theologically intelligent people all day long that know how to talk about their faith and God. and it's it's been fun to be around that and just to learn from all these fabulous people. and it's helped me put words to my experience.
0: So we had a um, conversation with Michael Devine last week and talked a little bit about um, what worship looks like here at Northside and some of his method and some of his uh, some of his thinking about uh, how to do worship here. And, and one of the things that we talked about was excellence and how mm. we do things with excellence around here. Northside is a, a church that I think in, in a very positive sense demands excellence, uh, not just in um, not just in in our you know, our worship services, but in everything that we do around here. Um, I know that's something that has been probably conveyed to you, but I know it's also something that you uh, very much value yourself, doing things with excellence and quality. Um, how do you see, I guess my question is, how do you see that excellence connected to your spiritual, uh, do you see the, Do you see it connected oh, yeah. to spirituality?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, why do we? why do we care about what we do? why do we care about doing any job? Well, I mean, I think for anybody, you know, there's a level of, you know, there's, there's pride in it. Sure. And, you know, you want to, you know, um, you want to please your boss, you want to, you know, do for the people you're serving, you want to do a good job. But I mean, we are as a church, we are so connected to the best reason for excellence. Like We are serving God. And I mean, If, you know, the Coca-Cola company can do a great job branding their product and if Apple can do an excellent job with their website and all, you know, all these things that, um, you know, we can be excellent on a capitalistic level. Like, why should we not be excellent for God? I mean, wow. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't achieve that every single day. Um, it's hard (laughs) (laughs) Um, and my team constantly challenges me we challenge each other and uh, and all of us here I think on staff do that Um, but I mean man we have the best reason for excellence absolutely
0: absolutely that's a great I think that's a great attitude to have about it Uh, certainly a great way to think about it I think in everything
2: we do I think I definitely have a little bit of Puritan work ethic you know in me and I just want everything to be good why should it not be good it's got to be good Um, Why should it not be excellent? If it can be excellent, it should be excellent. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think Northside is blessed with such resources um, that there really is nothing that keeps us from being excellent. Um, And that's one of the things that I'm aware of as I visit other churches or particularly during the pandemic, you've got an opportunity to check out online worship at a bunch of different places. And I see, um, you know, how we do things at Northside and how great things come together um, and so, I'm with Elizabeth on the you know, what better reason is there to do this and do it well than um to do it for God, So it should be excellent. I think I also feel like that begs that begs a question about, well, what if you're in a role where what you're doing you're not doing directly for God? and the reality is that in whatever you're doing if you're representing yourself as Christian I think you're held to a standard of doing it for God. Ah
0: oh, yeah, that's good. That's really good.
1: And I think even in uh in roles where we're not directly seen as working for a church or, you know, representing um Christianity, you can radiate those principles and those morals through what you're doing, even if it's not working for a church, even if it's, you know, doing some other thing that, I don't know, you know, whatever it might be that we're doing, you can, in the way that you treat people, in the way that the integrity that you have, I think all those things can come out in how you do what you do, no matter what it Mm -hmm.
0: One of the things that's important to you is uh, in your work here as creative director, you you have an eye for the way things are put together, the way things look. Uh, I don't know if we call it design or if we call it art or whatever we call Mm. it. You know, I want to have this is where we should have Michael Devine and you have a conversation. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Uh, I know that Nick is a big fan of art and an art critic of sorts. (laughs) Uh, Hey. I took that art history class at UGA.
2: (laughs) I did
1: very well in it. I heard this great quote. It was from a podcast I was listening to the other night. And it said, um, the difference between designers and fine artists is um, listening and empathy not that fine artists don't have the capacity for those things, but the difference in our jobs. So, or as a fine artist creates art as a form of self-expression, right there, it's something from inside them. They're, they're creating art, a designer. Our job is to listen to what the client is asking for, what the client needs and empathize with them and then create a solution for it. Basically.
0: Well, let's talk about that for just a second. Then, um, uh... So you find yourself in situations where you have to empathize with people on staff here, different programs, right? Different program directors, probably different staff, Uh, different people here at the church, probably even laity from time to time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need to hear what they're saying so that you can kind of uh, perform and do the thing that they've asked you to do uh, with excellence. Um, What is the process like of listening to, uh, you know, if Nick comes to you and says, we're doing a new whole new stewardship campaign this is what I want this kind of symbol I want this kind of poster I want this kind of mail out I want all this stuff what is what is the process uh, of listening and being empathetic and then converting that into or transitioning that into uh, something that can be used to the glory of God here at Northside Church
1: the part of that process that I think is the most fun it can be the most fun it can also be the worst part um, is helping someone articulate what they want. Because sometimes people, they have a vision and they know they want this to be read and they want it to say this slogan on it and they needed to do this. But sometimes people just have a feeling they want to convey or a bigger goal that they want to achieve. And so I get to help them figure out what that is. And if you just keep going back to the question, well, what are you trying to accomplish? What's our goal? What is the main thing that we care about? And then you can kind of dial that back to what needs to actually happen. I mean, Nick, you and I were just working on the stewardship campaign Mm -hmm. and talking through what that looks like. And we kind of came to the table with a bunch of ideas and, oh, this could go this way or, you know, here's what this maybe needs to say. But bringing it back down to um, the goal of what we're trying to achieve and and then figuring out the best way to marry the other person's vision and you know, what I can bring to the table, which is, you know, um, how we build a clear message.
2: Best practices Best in design. Practices, and right. I, I, this part of the process always cracks me up because, and I used to tease the previous creative services director, um, because I'm like, okay, so you've got a bachelor's degree in fine art, but you're going to bring it to a CPA to see if it looks good. <laughs> um, it's not usually, you know, what I do. Um, and so that that is an... an interesting point in that design relationship Mm -hmm. of does this communicate what you hoped it would
1: right (laughs) because some people they have a vision and some people don't and then some people don't realize they have a vision (laughs) and so it's
0: you got to figure out how how to to
1: figure it out so it's pulling those things out of people which can be a lot of fun well
2: as with so many things whether it's where do you want to go eat dinner tonight or what color sofa should we get (laughs) i don't know but i know
0: i don't like that one yeah Yeah. right there's that too there you go (laughs) Um. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then there's always the fun why questions that come out of that. Well, if I'm going to fix it, you know, you, you can tell me that you don't like it, but there's a lot of elements that went into this piece. And so there's probably just one or two of them that you really don't like. So it's figuring out what those things are in order for me to go back and then fix it.
0: Do you find that it's difficult to get um, to kind of pull a vision out of somebody uh, if they have a kind of a cloudy idea of what it is they want, so I'm guessing. Like my guess, my question. It <laughs> all is, depends on the person, <laughs> right? So I, I guess when you when you sit down to work with somebody, do you prefer them to have a clear vision of what they want, uh, or is it something that you want to be a part of the process? I mean, what's more fun? What's more professional?
1: It's more fun for me when um, they have a clear goal in mind and and a vision. Um, but then I get to help work through it. So I, I do want to be a part of it. That's yeah. that's fun for me, um, being part of that. I mean, you know, like anything, it's, it's more fun to have a conversation about something. You just, you know, instead of someone coming home with a red couch, they've just decided that they want or telling you to go out and buy it. You get to have the conversation about now, what color. I couch don't
2: you know. Want. That actually would thrill <laughs> me. Just bring home a couch. <laughs> I could not care less what color sofa I sit on.
1: Okay, well right. there you go. <laughs>
2: there's uh, there's Nick's uh, interior design coming out, but <laughs> this is why I love having Elizabeth on staff because I need this. Yeah. And if given free reign, Elizabeth loves to come up with what this is.
1: <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> well,
0: let's talk a little bit about. Um, go I guess going down that road a little bit further when we talk about the kind of art uh and that we do here at the church. Um I, I know that we have I think that this is true. We have uh we have certain uh uh I guess graphics and colors and things that are kind of fall within uh I, there's a little bit of of what am I trying to say? What's the Northside brand? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about what the Northside brand is. What it goes into. What goes into creating a brand for a church like this, and then like, how do we, how do we get it out there? Talk, talk, talk to me about it.
1: <laughs> that has been a fun process. I think that was started with the very first creative director that we had many mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. and has been refined and worked on in varying degrees by all of us. Um, I mean, it's exciting because, I mean, again, like going back to those other big examples, you know, you think of Coca-Cola, Apple or, you know, people love football teams. You know, usually like you think about these huge brands that we're all really familiar with and they have instant brand um, recognition. recognition recognition thank you (laughs) so i mean you know everybody knows even i'm not a football person i couldn't care less but georgia the georgia bulldogs they're red and black i know that because they have done an excellent job with their brand coca-cola is red apple it's a you know a little apple with a bite taken out of it these are you know this is part of our world where we see these things and we just instantly recognize what they are and so to try and bring that sort of clarity and recognition to a church it's it's interesting <laughs> it's, and it's a, it's kind of a big job. I mean, um, it cool. like, again, yeah, like it goes back to understanding your brand first before you can really put a good face on it.
2: And it's a concerted effort. I think that's the thing that I've seen develop over time. That's really neat. I mean, I would love to have that Northside Church cross logo
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, where everybody knew when they saw that cross logo, that was Northside Church, at least, yeah. you know, within, within five miles community. of the church. You sure. know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that really is part of a goal of having the creative services department is to unify the communication that's coming out of the church so mm-hmm. that that logo gets so synonymous with the church that everybody knows, Northside Church or United Methodist Congregation.
1: Because if you have strong recognition and we have that sense of camaraderie that comes with that strong brand, then we're going to be better for it. Um, mm-hmm.
0: So let me, let me ask a question though. So the, all of this branding stuff makes me think of capitalism. That makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I, and I understand the, what you're talking about though. Mm-hmm. The the Apple and the, and the Coca-Cola ribbons, you know, are absolutely instantly recognizable. You know what you're getting when you see that. Uh, somebody told me one time that the Coca-Cola ribbons are the most powerful symbol in the world because wow. they're the most ubiquitous. They're everywhere, yeah. uh, more so than even McDonald's or Apple or anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. So Coca-Cola, well done. But... What does that get us for Northside Church? Like, uh, we're not selling a product here, right? Or, sure. or do, we think, do we need to think that way when we do design?
1: It goes much deeper than the idea of a product. So a brand, yes, they're communicating a product, Coca-Cola is, but what they're really doing to you is, is communicating a feeling. And um, or something like Apple. It, yes, it's electronics it's computers. But what's really going on here? It's it's this sense of, of being cool or being relevant being, you know, there's these um,
2: uh, intangibles.
1: Yes. Thank you. Intangibles yeah, that they good. are communicating through these things and that does not have to remain in the capitalist world like I mean I use this example um, with the staff recently uh, going back to UGA I mean think about the sense of camaraderie that people feel um, when it comes to uh, you know a a football team right like like that Um, and it's this strong sense of pride and family and community and excitement and all those things are wrapped up in that brand and so it's not about selling something it's about building that that feeling and I mean if we can do that for Jesus Christ oh yeah. my goodness yeah you know that's powerful so that that's that's the goal
2: well and there's an element of the relationships that you build when you have that community I, I think in in the best way that would be the goal of branding for me is building a community of Northside, side mm-hmm. where like it, a team right I mean mm-hmm. that's kind of what right. you're
0: doing with Georgia for instance I, I think the sports branding uh, particularly Particularly college, uh, maybe is a closer uh, closer analogy than Apple or Coke or something like that because you're selling sure. you're not selling a product you're you're inviting somebody to be a part of yes a larger community that is being you know fired up for Georgia but also you know just being in relationship with each other
2: mm-hmm. well and I too you know in choosing a cross as the church's logo I would I don't know if the cross has been entered into those. Branding conversations, but everybody knows a cross represents Christianity.
0: Um, I wonder right. how. So, in some ways, you're oh, dealing with man. the biggest brand in the history of the world, right? Right. And how do you? Well, then, how if that's the case, then how do you? Um, uh, how do you make that better? How do you, how, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do to make the the cross, uh, more, <laughs> more attractive or more sellable? <laughs> I don't know what the word is. Well, and well, what does it even?
2: What does it even mean to different people? You know, the way that cross is interpreted
1: That's when you start getting into this uh, brand versus character conversation, right? There's a moment when it's no longer about the brand, the fact that we use the Celtic Cross with the double circle around it, um, Navy Blue, it, it, that that at some point stops and it you start talking about the character of the organization and... You have to enter into relationship with the organization to really understand what those branding colors mean. Because maybe the colors themselves don't mean something, but it's, it's because I've become a part of this larger thing, this, then rep- this symbol then represents me. And it represents this thing that we are trying to do. So on the back end, it's about clarity of mission and clarity of character and personality, right? Who, who are we? and that's what those things come to represent.
2: What what that then gets me thinking about is Chick-fil-A. Ah, Chick-fil-A is okay. yes. a logo, yeah. Chick-fil-A is a brand. Yes. And the the connection that Chick-fil-A has made I, I don't know terribly overtly, but to being Christian chicken. Mhm. You know, my I mean Just one of my favorite nice. memes running around um, lately has been, y'all know, we didn't have all these 2020 problems until Popeyes tried to take down Christian chicken with that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's true. And oh, gosh, so. That Popeyes sandwich is pretty good, though. I haven't had it. I oh dare not taste the devil Lord. sandwich. Well, the devil's making some good stuff over there at Popeyes. <laughs> um, but, you know, Chick fil A has become synonymous with Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent service. And being really pleasant.
0: So here's the here's the flip side of that. I probably I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on a podcast that uh, goes out to, to Northside Church. I'm hey, going to say it anyway. We've got a lot of stuff and, and we, that we need. To yeah, take out of this one, <laughs> we can we can edit this out. But here's here's the problem with that. That's right. Chick Fil A is synonymous with Christian chicken, synonymous with Christianity. But then that also means to the world that anything that Chick Fil A does as a corporation becomes synonymous with christianity yes. too and that mm-hmm. that's a backlash of a brand like that um and so for instance you know they they take sundays off and so to the world that's like that's what christians should do that's that's one of the low ones right mm-hmm. they also you know have a sexuality problem uh they have an issue with homosexuals that becomes uh you know there was a joke there, this is how easy there's a there's a show called the the good place and <laughs> the i don't know if you've seen this show or not it's a fantastic show it comes on Uh, NBC or some I'm not sure where it's a broadcast uh, network show though it is. Um, it's a show about people who end up in the afterlife, and they're trying to deal with uh, how to get to heaven. And they're they're going through these different different versions of hell. Basically, is what the show's about. And there's an episode where finally um, the main character is like, you know, it's impossible. It's impossible to be a good person on planet Earth. There's too many things you have to care about. Too many things you have to. Too many hoops you have to jump through, right? And of course, this is from a somewhat non-Christian perspective. I mean, it is from a non-Christian perspective, it's a secular view, but it has a lot of Christian themes in it, as any anything in the West is going to have. And there's a there's a she's going through this whole list of things you got to do you got to you got to donate to all these charities you got to do this that and the other and she's like and there's this chicken sandwich that's like to die for but if you eat it it means you hate gay people and so you can't yeah. do it <laughs> and so that that's a that's a great example though of how a a brand can have unintended consequences let me say it that way well it goes back well, to the character well, for Chick fil A maybe it's not
1: yeah well, right that's who they are that's their character
0: but
2: the way that they're characterized and the way they would describe their commitment to family values are two different things. That's right. (laughs) And that I think is something that we face as Christians in the world every day,
0: regardless of whether we're talking about Chick-fil-A or Northside Church. Because Um, we all have our own personal brand as well, right? I mean, I have the the James Johnson brand to some degree. uh, Oh, you've got one. (laughs) What I do then as a Christian reflects back to Christ, right? I mean, it reflects back to being a Christian. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not just businesses and corporations, it's individuals. So. But and I mean, that's a hot-button issue. It is. Uh, what
2: The way people perceive Christianity is a hot-button issue, and the issue of human sexuality is certainly sure one that people, you know, a shorthand. You know, I know uh, my child is going to school with people, and when she says she's a Christian, they assume that means she's homophobic. Right. Um, and I'm like, no, we live in a world where You can be a Christian and also not be homophobic. Like, that doesn't have to be. But for some people, that is the the shorthand they use. So,
0: what goes into translating, if we come up with what we want, let's say nick and i get to make a decision about what we want people to feel and know mm-hmm. and and think about northside what what goes into making sure the community or outside world um, sees our our northside cross and and thinks the things that we nick and i decide that we want them to feel like what, what's the process of making people see that
1: um from a very basic design standpoint i mean you want to incorporate visuals into a piece of you know work that say what you were trying to say in words um so we recently did um a worship postcard, which everyone will be getting in the mail sometime soon, um, a, an open-air worship postcard, and there's you know all these things that we wanted to convey to people about what this experience is going to be. Um, there's going to be live music, and it's going to be high energy, and it's going to be you know fresh air, and you know all these things. And instead of typing out all that and putting it in text on a postcard. I said, all right. Well, let's use pictures to convey this. You know, let's use a picture of the Northside grounds with the sun shining. Let's have a picture of Matt Jackson outside on the guitar. Let's show a picture of picnic blankets and families together, and you convey those things in a visual sense. Yeah. Um, the other part of that is again, it goes back to I can say all day long, you know, I can that we are X Y Z and this is going to happen. But if when people don't, but if when when people get here, if they don't have that experience then that's not going to be good. (laughs) So it's about, it's about carrying that authenticity through in how you communicate about what you're doing and then actually making that experience happen for people.
2: What are the ways that on a regular basis, um, we're communicating to the congregation? Um, I think I've seen some things change over the last few years, and I'm hoping (laughs) that the congregation notices them, too. And I think some of those things would be neat to talk about, just the different ways that um, we've tried communicating to reinforce, you know, what Northside is about over the last few years.
1: Yeah. So we have several publications that we put out on a regular basis, Um, the newsletter um, which is more of the magazine format, the monthly mailer, and then the weekly highlights. And those all kind of used to be variations of the same thing, the same information, just getting regurgitated. And a couple years ago I said, well, let's let's kind of drill down and let's uh, make those things more dedicated, right? So we, instead of doing you know a monthly newsletter that was really just a lot of here, save the date sort of information, I said, like, let's tell a story. Let's tell the story of Northside. Let's talk about who we are because that's how people get engaged, right? They want to know what you're doing and who you are. And if you can pull them into that story that you're trying to tell, then they want to be part of it, too. And so we use that space and that's the it's now a quarterly issue. It's 32 pages um, and it's all written accounts of what we're doing here. I think we've had a lot of
0: positive feedback with uh, a lot of positive response and feedback from that switch with the newsletter anyway.
1: Yeah. So I hope that it would be something just like any other magazine that you would pick up and be able to read and be inspired. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: That's great. That's great.
1: And then that monthly piece that we do, we turn that into um, a calendar, save the date. So the idea with that was you could fold that bad boy open and stick it with a magnet to your fridge and be reminded of, hey, like, here's the immediate easy access information ways that I can go be the church.
2: And then we have highlights on a weekly basis.
1: hmm And those are your just weekly, like right now, what's happening in this moment, ways that you can get involved. And that's meant to be um, kind of a an overarching view. I mean, you know, someone that's super involved in men's ministry or missions may know the nuances of every little thing that's going on, but we do so much as a church. So that those highlights are meant for people that, you know, they've come here for the first time, or maybe they've been here forever, and they're just looking for that kind of next thing. And it's a way to say, like, here's just kind of a sampling um, of the newest, coolest stuff that's going on this week.
2: So part of our communication process is thinking through who needs what information? We're not just jamming everything and everything we do all the time.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> Speaking of uh, church communication, while we've been in this, uh, we've been in this pandemic, uh, it, things have changed around here quite a bit, and mm-hmm. obviously, not meeting for worship on Sunday mornings is the biggest of those things. I wonder if you might be able to talk a little bit about um, how you feel like your role or your position, um, your duties, your your mission, your call, I mean, any of those things, <laughs> how have you felt like your, your, uh, your work here, your, your service here has changed during the pandemic?
1: When we um, started having to talk about putting up all of the signage for COVID-19, you know, what does that really look like? My goal for that and was to create an atmosphere. So instead of a bunch of super generic, neon, harsh, awful restriction type signage that we we're seeing everywhere, we all know what it says, we all know what we have to do. But, you know, my goal was, man, people are coming into the house of the Lord and people in this time more than ever want a sense of calm. And we need to, um, you know, not not just engage more fear and more rules and all these things. And we don't we don't need that here. And so to so I did I did blue and turquoise and mm-hmm. a happy like teal green color. Mm-hmm. We said, we're going to we're going to make this peaceful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just thinking about how we respond um, as a church to what is going on right now and realizing that now more than ever, it is so important for us to have clear communication about what we do because everything's changing and our world is so just up in the air. No one knows what's going on. Things change at the drop of a hat. And so to be a force for consistency and clarity, like how, I mean, how much calm can we interject into people's lives by being that voice? yeah you know and that's and that's hard it's a hard thing to do especially when there is so much going on and we want to tell people about it but that's the goal
0: yeah yeah i ask that because uh i feel like when something like this happens and and luckily in my life not a lot like this has happened but there have been (laughs) events in the past where the church needs to make a some kind of you know statement or communication or let people know something or another mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I feel like in this particular situation that your department was right there on the front lines so to speak uh of of getting the message out to the people and i just i was curious as to how that how that played i guess um you have so, to be flexible that's I mean, probably the biggest thing i mean the thing that's the <laughs> true for nick too being the executive director here you you know, you're right there on the, on the front line. Someone like me, I'm just back here waiting for communication from you guys. Like, what are we doing? What's, what's the plan? What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? You know, but you guys are out there I actually crafting the message. And that's, uh, I think that's a pretty powerful uh, role to have. And, um,
1: well, I mean, you've had to adapt too. I mean, you know, you no, took yeah. your entire discipleship strategy from in person conversation and being with people to doing it on a computer yeah that's been
0: that's been that's been fun yeah i
2: didn't know how this podcast was about to take off you know the first few we did it was like oh this would be a cool addition, and now it's like oh oh, no this is something we really need to do in order to reach people since you're not meeting in the building you know
0: Back in June, you wrote uh, a devotional for our weekly, our weekday devotionals, and you talked a little bit about some of the stuff we've talked about here today. Um, do you mind, like, revisiting that with us and and, and exploring that a little bit further?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, I attended uh, the, um, the prayer march that the United Methodist Church did um, back in March, I think it was. Um, it was a march against racism, and it... It was I've never done anything like that before, and it was one of those little spirit moments when you're feeling that tug, and you're like, go, do this, because, and there was, (laughs) so Catherine actually um, invited a couple of us to go, and there was an opportunity to um, kind of volunteer for the march, so you could volunteer, uh, hand out waters or whatever, or you could actually do the march itself, and my first inclination was just to do the volunteer thing, right, like just be behind the scenes, do the the thing. And sure. <laughs> um, and then I felt that little tug of like, no, do the thing that's going to make you uncomfortable. So I did the March and I got to listen to all the really cool speeches. along the What did the, the March way. involve? Marching. Just like how far? <laughs> um, oh, maybe three miles, I okay. think. Yeah. Um, so we met at central UMC and heard a couple folks speak. Um, Dr. Kirkland, um, a couple other folks from that church and, um, And then some testimonies uh, was really, they were really powerful, Um, just about people's personal experience. Um, And then we did the couple mile march. Um, We stopped at a few places in between and prayed and heard a few more testimonies. And then at the very end, um, we ended at Atlanta First. Yeah, Yeah, we ended at Atlanta First. And um, the bishop spoke um, and a couple, and then Jasmine, who is the the pastor at that church. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but just a vibrant experience. And I mean, I mean, that is talk about character. like being out there in the streets of Atlanta, I mean, whether you agree with any of it or not, whatever your perspective is, it was just an interesting experience to have to really be there out there doing the thing, and mm-hmm. there's no hiding. <laughs> this is this is what this is. So um, but the one of the the gentlemen that spoke at the beginning, um let me find his name here uh reverend uh dr byron thomas he asked us why we were here he said like why are you why are you here today um because if you were here to brand the united methodist church then we don't need you go home oh wow (laughs) and yeah i mean that wow (laughs) what a question to be asked what did he mean by that he said that um if you're, if you're here to brand the church, if you're here to hold up a sign to say, you know, we are, you know, X, X Y, UMC, whatever it is, um, and that, you know, just to put a face on it, to say that we did a thing or whatever, then that's not what we need. We need people that are here as witnesses for Jesus Christ and that are willing, because the reason that we're here to say, like, this is a huge thing that we are doing, and the reason that we are walking is to um, call attention to the fact that this is going to take work. Like there is work to be done here. There is something big and deep that is going on. And this is just, this is just a representation of all that. And so if you're not willing to acknowledge the heartache and the suffering that is going on behind the scenes here, then don't bother. Wow. If you're not going to engage in that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Very so <laughs> do, you, do you think that his issue was with the idea of branding or just particularly branding in the United Methodist Church? Like what's...
1: Well, it was the difference between, it's, it's when, his, his issue was when there's a discrepancy between brand and character. Yeah. So when your brand is touting something that is not upheld by your character and your actions, because character, right, it's actions, it's right. what we are doing on the ground. And if you're going to speak it, visualize it, you know, talk about it, pretend to to pretend to be it, you're not actually doing it, then it's worthless. Yeah, and doesn't Jesus Christ deserve a better representation than that? I mean, come on, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, <laughs>
2: I, I hope so. I mean, I hear it as a call to
0: be circumcised of heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now that's a that sounds like a big biblical term, Nick. What do you mean by that? Boom. Drop <laughs> uh-huh. the Bible now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, the Bible teaches a lot about um, that. What we do is not just that we're accomplishing the action but what our motivations are and where your heart is Mm -hmm. yeah, and how you know you, you in that case you know it's not going downtown to march to check the box that says yeah you know i did the right virtue signaling today yep but this is something that i really feel like needs to be changed in my heart and i'm here to push for that change and um you know whatever we do if we're doing it to check the box off you know I got my Jesus in today. I watched my (laughs) hour of of church online. Yeah. Right. um, Versus really having a desire to be a part of that community and, and be better, get better.
0: I think our brand, our our who we are, uh, mm-hmm. our identity, and Nick, you mentioned that word before, has shifted a little bit, uh, at least a little bit, as as everyone's during this pandemic, and we were not a church that had a very strong digital online kind of presence, mm-hmm. and at least not sure. not interactive. Well, and I think we've moved to being a church that has a. a A growing and and much more dynamic um, digital and virtual uh, presence, right? Brand, if you will. Yeah,
2: because that was not a focus before. The priority was what was going on in the building. And Lord knows we had 500 things a day going on in the building. So um, (laughs) So, the energy to put into um, digital media was not there um but as the world turns to entirely digital,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. then That's we had to shift cool. too. And I, I like that we had the I like that we had the we had the motivation, we had the the call to do that and we answered that. Uh that speaks about our I think that speaks well about our church that we, we're willing to adapt and change. We're willing mm-hmm. to to go into places that we haven't really been into before, even if it's online. Uh as we continue to grow now digitally virtually and and with the hope that soon and someday <laughs> someday and soon we will be back in the church physically i think that our digital presence is going to remain and i, and I think it's going to grow so as you think about communication as you think about mm-hmm. branding for north and 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 shifting toward more digital uh presence and and digital brand does that come into any consideration? Does that change anything that you do as far as thinking about how we get out in the world?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's impossible to sustain the level of print publications and print things that we've always done and also um, do all the digital stuff. I don't know if I like that answer to that question. Let me start over. Um, It's a matter of figuring out how best what we do can serve the people. Uh, so it, stopping for a second, and maybe it's something that we always use to print, and saying, well, what is the best way to actually help this information reach people? Um, and so how can the people that we care for in our congregation, how can we best serve them and, um, understand how to reach them with this stuff? So maybe it's, you know, we're learning how to do interactive PDFs. Uh, we're learning how to do, um, you know, moving gifts on social media. So it's figuring out how to repurpose our time, Mm -hmm. um, to, to help people engage with us in the best way. And I mean, for me, I, um, I'm a print designer. That is where my heart lies. I love holding things. I think the tactile um, element of publications is just really important. Um, it gives us a sense of just grounding and helps us connect with things. I just love it. Um, and so it's been a hard it's been a hard shift to suddenly see some of these things like oh I can't it's just it's just digital now. But, I mean, the reason that someone with my background works for a church like this is because we have a lot of people that do lean more towards print versus digital. Um, There's people in our congregation that don't have emails. Um, And so... to figure out how to still engage those people and what are the appropriate ways of reaching them with handwritten notes and printed devotional books and yeah. mailed calendars and things yeah. that they can engage with and to make sure that we're not saying, oh, just because we live in a digital era and just because, you know, we're now in a world that is all on Zoom, we're going to forget about you. We're not. That's, right. not. that's not what we're here to do. We're here to care for these people.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, yeah, that is an excellent point. I think that it sometimes gets forgotten how diverse generationally Northside is. Yeah. Um, and so when we talk about communication, we have to talk about communicating across, you know, a wide age range. Um, we're not just communicating. You know, some churches have targeted very clearly a millennial demographic or it's a older demographic. And so the way they communicate reflects that. They choose a medium and they just go with mm-hmm. it. And at Northside, we've had to go.
0: Well, we've, we've adopted Paul. We've adopted Paul's philosophy on, on, you know, I become all things to all men. That's so right. by all possible means, I might save some, right?
1: I mean, at the same time, like back in my April, I was having a conversation with Brandy about how to do virtual VBS. I was also having a conversation about how to help people access care cards that don't have emails. You know, and Dr. Ann was telling me that we have so many, so many older folks that don't have, they don't have computers, they don't have an email address. How are they going to get this stuff? So if they want to do a care card, they can't just hop on the internet and fill out a form and have a, (laughs) you know, so how do we, Mm -hmm. uh, how do we, how do we um, serve these people? Yeah.
2: Even all the way, as we talk about stewardship materials, I imagine this year we will have more than normal um, pledges received online. Yeah. But I still have to do pledge cards too right uh-huh. um, <laughs> I know that physical, there are a lot of physical tangible
0: there. pledge card you can stick mm-hmm. it in your Bible use it as a bookmark uh, before you fill out turn it in as you should do because
2: well you know now <laughs> you've got half you. of it that tears off so you can leave that half in your Bible you and go. you can turn yeah there, the you, go. <laughs> there you go We spent a bit of time talking about branding, and I think there is this negative business words conversation. Oh, it's called capitalism. To branding. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and you've got some other words you would use that I disagree with. So
0: there we are. Thank Jesus. Um,
2: (laughs) That's not one I was thinking of.
0: (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah. So uh, you're concerned about the negative uh, connotations of branding, talking about branding, particularly within church.
2: Um, For us on the backside, as we're discussing it, that's the next best Way we have to talk about it, and what we're really driving towards is identity and character, yeah. And yeah, yeah. what is the church known for in the community? Yeah, um, branding is a great it, it, it's a shorthand, but bear with me if that term makes you cringe. No,
0: I, I think, <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I agree. I'm probably more sensitive to that than most people uh, in this church. And I, the way that you talked about it today, and the way that the way that Nick is uh, Nick and I have talked about it, uh, some of that stuff in the past, um. I've come around to that term, you know, terms can mean whatever we want them to mean. Sure. So, uh, every word is arbitrary. <laughs> every word is made <laughs> up as Thor says.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm probably the most sensitive to it. And I think I've come around to a place where I I can, I can get on board with, it, especially as Nick is talking about as, as identity and character, because that's really mm-hmm. what we're talking about. We're not selling a product. That mm-hmm. product uh was given yeah. to us for free on a cross a long time ago, but, um, how to get that message out there is, is certainly a, a branding.
1: So I love this passage to Amos. And if you're okay with it, I'd love to read Absolutely. it. Um, it's in Amos five. And this is where these things collide for me in scripture, branding and character. I hate, I despise your festivals and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. It's Amos five twenty-one through 24. And I mean, to me, that just says it all. It's, I, God doesn't want just an image. He doesn't want songs that don't mean anything. It's, he doesn't want just a brand. It matters that it comes with character and a pure heart. Yeah.
0: I think that's great. Amen. I think that's a good way to wrap up our conversation today. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: This was a lot of fun. Nick,
0: thank you for being here.
1: (laughs) James, thank you you for being here. Oh,
0: well, thank you. Thank you for thanking me. Thank you for giving (laughs) to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for joining us. It's a great conversation. And Northside, we'll see you next week.